stoked to, to get this done. It's been a long time since we've done the positional rankings because it took us so long to get through all the rankings and then the entire top 100. And it's such an interesting cast of characters. The, I think, 20 at 25 through 50 best point guards of all time. And I was talking to my dad about it, just saying, like, it almost comes down to just preference. It's, it's almost impossible to build a strong, concise argument over anyone. It just, you kind of, it, it is by the slimmest of margins. If you had all of these guys shuffled around, I'm sure we're going to surprise each other with some of the rankings we have. We'll have to compromise a lot. Some guys are going to jump up 10 spots because you're like, no, like, I found this one game where this guy played really well, and I think that's why he should be higher. I'm like, okay. On our older list, it was kind of interesting because it was like, hey, these guys all had five excellent seats. And, you know, it, or it was like five excellent seasons or like 10 good versus three. And this now we're like, man, you had two good years or this guy was like an above average starter for, a you know, 15. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, preferences is going to make a huge determinations on how how anyone feels about this list. I was, I was going to say, you know, do we want to kind of list off some of the last guys that we had? Uh, maybe our 20 through 24. Yeah, get, sure thing. Just to set the tone. All right. So 20 through 24 was Chauncey Billups, Dave Bing, Dennis Johnson, Anthony Hardaway, and Lenny Wilkins. That was a, that was a really fun area. But that's when you start realizing, like, man, this gets tough. It gets tough. But heading into that 25th spot, I think we had someone that is playing right now that we talked about before that probably should be higher than he is. We just hadn't really been ready to rank him at the time. And when the top 100 through 200 comes out, I guess it says top 200 comes out, who probably have jumped into that top 100 already. No, it's it's 100% Luca. You know, when you start looking down at these guys, very few of them have hit the level that Luca has hit in a single season. Uh, and I think his three years at an all-star level, three years at an all-NBA level, Before is enough. Point. Yeah, well, three and, three and, a, and half, a half. But... <laughs> yeah, but, but there should be no doubt that he'll be named to a fourth all-star team. Uh, little doubt that he'll be named to a fourth all-NBA team. And... You know, he's done it in the playoffs. Yes, he had two early exits, uh, but the guy's guy over 28 games is averaging 32.5 points per game in the playoffs. Nine and a half boards, eight assists. It's just impressive. I, I don't think there's any arguing that Luka should be here. The only argument is that he should probably be higher. When we were doing this in the summer before the season, we were working under the assumption that, hey, no player plays another game. That's I, I think that's how you have to do it for ranking players is if they're not, if we haven't seen it yet, we can't, the future's not guaranteed. You never know what could come. I think by the time we do get to the top 200, we're going to be looking at a completed season. I, that would probably be the timing of all this. And I, the Mavs look terrible this year, but Luka looks fantastic. It's yeah. not a Luka, it's not a Luka problem by any, by any stretch. He might pick up another first team All-NBA, which would be his, um, his fourth in a row. And at that point, you're looking at, is he the 14th best point guard ever? Is he jumping all the way up there? Like, are we going to um, put him ahead of uh, Kevin Johnson or Tiny Archibald? And I think that's a real conversation we'll have to have. Yeah. All right. So locking in Luca at 25. For 26, I would like to nominate Derek Rose. Me too. Derek Rose. You get, you get that MVP level. What happens after the MVP level, I honestly could care less about. He barely plays. He's not playing at a great level. It is replacement point guard level stuff. But there is a good three-year stretch, and... An MVP caliber year, I think it is worth a worth that 26 spot. I always love it when people try to use averages in a situation where the totals are the thing that that are the problem. Because if you look at Luca post 2012, we could say 2012.13 through 2018-2019, Luca averaged 16.6 points per game. And that is uh let's see, that's 
that's seven seasons? We talk about Jose Luca. There Sorry, Rose, Rose. 12, 13 through 18, 19. And you will see people say this over, you know, in Discord. Sort of like, hey, he still had these good averages posted. He did. It's so few games, though. We're really only caring about those first three years. He played, I mean, he missed an entire season, but then over the next three years, he basically played three total seasons. So six half seasons. Uh, but those those three years, you know, the MVP, the youngest MVP of all time, really impressive. Absolutely. Super impressive. And it's and he does that. I mean, that team goes to the playoffs and he plays pretty well. Round one is pretty rough shooting splits wise. It's not the dominant performance you'd like to see, but in round two, he gets up to 30 points and 10 assists. And it's like, okay, like clearly this isn't, this isn't a fluke. Maybe it's a, it's a strange season. I mean, he's only 22 years old, um, but I think it gets, it gets it done enough. He took charge of a series um, in yeah. the 2011 playoffs game three against Atlanta. They're tied one, one. Rose goes for 44 points, including 17 in the first quarter, which really sets the tone when for the game. And like, if you don't have that Rose game, they don't win that series. Uh, And so, yeah, he he carries his team or he leads his team. How if you want to quibble with words, but I think I I think we had an easy one, too. I'm interested to see here you have for number 27. Before we uh, before we get going, um, we got to really make sure that we don't just mention a name without like explaining who these people are sure. like in, in, in like i don't know like to take up forever but goddamn, there's there's some deep cuts as we get yeah. deeper okay i, I want to nominate mark price how do you feel okay. i have mark price uh two guys down uh, i was okay. going to nominate gus williams but let's hear your mark price price is a four-time all-star and a four-time all-npa player played for the Cavs for nine seasons in the 80s and 90s and those are really good Cavs teams he has one of the highest offensive box plus minuses of all time, 4.2. Those Cavs teams are kind of a collection of really good pieces. It's Price and Doherty and uh, Howard Williams and Larry Nance and all that and Craig Elo. But you could argue he is the most important piece, given that he is one of their better scorers. But he's racking up these assist numbers. He is uh, seven assists per game for the Cavs on really good teams. Also shoots 90% from the line, which I feel like is impressive. Plays pretty well in the playoffs in the playoffs for the, basically every single, only made the playoffs for the Cavs with 17 points, seven assists, two and a half boards on, on good numbers. Doesn't really have a terrible series that causes them to lose. He's always playing pretty well. Yeah, I think he makes first team all NBA. Should be my starting point. It's a solid career. It's a good high peak. The thing that I liked about Gus Williams, for context, Gus Williams was on the 79 Seattle Supersonics championship team. The only time Seattle's ever won a championship. Uh, he was one of their leading scorers and it's pretty pretty comparable who was the best player it was him or dennis johnson uh so, so we can at least look at him and say hey you were the number two on a championship team if not arguably the number one he does have well it's a it's eight years but he misses one year and we'll get to why but he has a, a seven season stretch where he averages 20 points per game uh, he only makes an all-star appearance in two of those but i kind of want to get into what happened the year that he missed he missed 1981 uh because he held out contract disputes and I, I'm going to just ask you if you can guess what year, w- w- which of these years was the holdout? Seattle won 52 games. Seattle won 56 games. Seattle won 34 games. Seattle wins 52 games. Which of those do you think is the holdout? I, I would guess it's the massive gap in, uh, in wins there. I'm, I'm guessing it's right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his impact is just so clear that, you know, you take him off this team and they drop 22 wins. That's like, 
I mean, that's like losing Shaq or LeBron. Can I offer you a little Mark Price content? Because he does get hurt in okay. 1991. Yeah, how do they do without and him? They win 42 games in 1990, and then he gets hurt. He plays just 16 games, and they drop to, drop to 33. And then in 92, they go up all the way up to 57 wins, and he really starts hitting his stride after that. I think it's his best year, one of his best years after getting hurt. He strings together three all-star seasons, and uh, yeah, they, uh, they suck without him. Tell me more right. about Gus Williams. Uh, so I have a quote about the season that he missed from his teammate Jack Sigma, who says, Without Gus in there to get me the ball on the break, our transition game disappeared from last year, and our playoff chances were right along with it. It was like we were a different ball club. We didn't run the way we did before, we seldom got easy buckets, and we never blew any opposing teams out of the building the way we did when Gus was around. He's fucking awesome in the 1979 playoffs, and they win a ring. He's 26 points, four boards, and about three and a half assists on, on good efficiency with two steals. He's, he's clearly a highly impactful player. It's one of those final series and playoff runs where you look at it and like, Gus, uh, Gus Williams won finals MVP. You'd be like, yeah, that's the Gus Williams finals MVP. Like no one, no one would probably even mention that as a, as a, as a, uh, a failure of the voting system or something. Cause in, in that finals, he comes out and just torches the, the bullets averaging 29, three and a half and three and a half. He was, he was awesome. He also gets fifth place in MVP voting in, in what is this? Uh, 83. I'm going to pull up the vote here, but I want to say that's going to be a Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Julius Irving, tightly contested race. Yeah. So it's, oh, it's actually Moses Malone, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. I want to take back some, the thing I said about Price. He does have some pretty rough series. When, the, when the, those Cavs run into defense of the Bulls and the Knicks, uh, Price struggles, but he fucking destroys the Nets. He owns the Nets. <laughs> I also like to correct. It was 82, not 83. Malone, Bird, Irving, Parrish, Gus Williams. Interesting that Parrish okay. is fourth. How far down is Gus Williams on your board? He was two guys down. But I'm, I think I'm comfortable with that, that swap looking at it. Can I ask who was the other guy? Slater Martin. Interesting. Okay. Because I had JoJo White. And so I was like, maybe do we just have like the same three guys and kind of mix up upon their rankings? Oh man, I had Jojo White a few spots. See, we're already running into this, but uh, this is good. All right, I'm 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 okay with uh with Gus Williams. You want to go Williams into Price? Yeah, I can take Price over Jojo White. Looking at it, but that then that means Jojo White is my next guy on the board. Who is your next guy on your board? One second. Number twenty nine for me was Slater Martin, seven time All Star, five time All NBA player. He's a five time champ. He's Mikan's point guard, but he also wins. Another ring for the Hawks in 1958. I just couldn't get there with Slater Martin. The league is just so small that when you start looking at like all NBAs or all stars, he doesn't have the the all NBAs. He just has the all stars. He has the uh, he has the all NBAs. He's a five time all NBA player. Is he? What am I talking? Yeah. See, he's five times second team all NBA. Part of me was thinking about how we have Mike in as like the 18th best player ever, and I think in that light, we we can't hype Mike enough. And then just destroy Slater Martin, just banish him into oblivion because he was very important. We have Vern Nicholson in our top power forwards list. Yeah, but here's the thing: Mikan is the best player of that era. Yes. Uh, Jim Pollard is like one of the top five. It, it, it's a little bit muddled because he gets sometimes pippened to Mikan's Jordan. Uh, you know, mileage on him varies. Vern Mickelson is then clearly the third guy. You're talking about the fourth guy on uh, in a small league, in a condensed okay. small okay. league. And so that I put him up this high because I knew you'd push back. 
and I wanted to to to, to give my get the, the stakes into Slater Martin a little early, just in case he starts free falling. I mean, I don't even think he needs to free fall. I just okay, that's fine. I'm the JoJo White believer, so I'm, I'm a fan of that. With JoJo White, you have one of the best guards from probably the NBA's second weakest era behind Slater Martin's era. Uh, so you've got him from the 70s. He's a Boston Celtics. This point guard from 70. Um, you know, he leaves in 79. So uh, gets two years in the 80s, but not as big of a contributor on, on a lot of their rings. I mean, I did the look through when we were talking initially about several of the teammates and it's, you know, he's not the one. He's not the two. He's probably the third or fourth guy on his championship ring teams. Or Jojo White? Jojo White. George, Slater Martin is definitely the uh, the fourth guy on those rings. Okay. So in 76, who is who's ahead of, of Jojo White? Because I see Cowens, and that's about it. I, I see, I think there's Havlicek still there, and it's kind of a, it's, it's a very strange team. He's their starting point guard. He's one of the best defensive players ever as well. I feel like there's a little bit of value lost in that. Uh, and he does actually lead them in playoff minutes, it's, or minutes per game in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think he's a really good playoff performer. He's 21 points, five and a half assists, and, and four boards on 45% shooting. He, he does have some pretty terrible shooting nights. You know, he, he's got nights where he goes two for 12, five for 15. So in the, the 76-6 playoffs, he ha- has two games in the finals. One game, two, he goes two for 12. One game, six, where he goes five for 15. And the Celtics win them both. You know, I kind of have a thing where if you're playing poorly... And your team is winning, maybe a little bit less important. But yeah, he does sure. does also have a game where he plays sixty minutes in that was a double or triple overtime, uh, and got them thirty three points and was huge for them. So I don't know. I, I think he contributed a lot. I guess he's my pick, so I should probably be arguing him up more. But <laughs> yeah, what's what's happening here? I also like to know that he played five. He played five years in college, which is interesting. But for for White, he gets up to two second team All NBA appearances, um, one after the merger. I feel like that's really important. At that point, he's already 30. So clearly, with all, all the league's talent in one place, he's still averaging 40 minutes per game, uh, 20 points, 6 assists, 5 boards. His team's really good. He's really important for them. And I think at this point in this list, we're getting to guys that, if they're playing poorly, the teams are probably still going to win. Yeah, that's okay. It's This is the third. And so I'm comfortable with uh, with White being there. Okay. But um, all right, I'm well, curious who you have next then. Go ahead. So next on my initial board was Mark Price, but I'm willing, I moved him above White. Behind that, I have Jimmy Jones, an ABA superstar with the New Orleans Buccaneers. That that wasn't a team you thought we'd discuss today. I mean, you, of course, knew because you knew I'd bring him up. But uh, in 69, he averages 30 points, five rebounds, and five assists. He excels defensively. He's an acrobatic shooter. He's a marvelous scorer. Um, one of the fun things is that he was such a good scorer, and the ABA didn't always have a ton of players. So sometimes they'd list him at like small forward because they play three guards. Uh, so his positional is just all wonky. Um, but I've seen him described as Jason Kidd, but a better scorer. Uh, fourth in ABA MVP voting in 69. Um, he beats the league in field goal percentage in 1969. Shoots fifty three percent from the field. It's he's a six four point guard or a shooting guard or a small forward or center or whatever they were playing with at the time. But he it is really a statistical anomaly. And I think another telling thing is that um, Gene Shu, legendary NBA coach, um, preferred Jimmy Jones to Earl Monroe. Like uh, Jones was was drafted by the Baltimore Bullets, but chose the New Orleans Buccaneers. 
uh, because he wasn't going to have to compete against Earl Monroe for minutes. Uh, he thought he'd you know be playing a backup. But Bullets coach Gene Shu talked very highly about how uh, Jimmy Jones was, if not as good, potentially better, and really fought to try to get him to the NBA. Hey, this is the trickiest part of this list. When you get down here, you're going to run into the ABA guys, and you have to kind of mince, okay, are they taking advantage of a really weak early ABA? Are they the best player on, an, on a really good ABA title team? Because we'll get down to Louis Dampier later on. Looks awesome. In reality, is like the third best guy on some pretty good team. And, and that's what a lot of these guys are, um, that that era is so tricky. For Jimmy Jones, what's interesting is I actually end up with Matt Calvin ahead of him. I don't really know if that was a mistake. No, Matt I think Calvin that was, was my next to the ABA guys. And I can tell you exactly why Matt Calvin could be higher than him. Okay. They're almost identical with awards, but Matt Calvin gets third place in MVP in 75. Uh, he just does a lot of his stuff a little bit later. And if you look at the ABA strength, 68, 69, even 70, not the greatest. It, it gets progressively better up until 75. The later these guys are able to compete, the, the better, the more I respect that uh, that career for Jimmy Jones. He basically is done being a good player by 75. Um, 74 is his last all-star year, and he's still really good. Matt Calvin starts a bit later. He also plays for three teams in one year, which I don't even know where to start with that. He's still really good in in, uh, in 76 for the uh, for the Squires. The thing with Jimmy Jones is, you said it in 75, he falls off a cliff. That's also the year that he moves from the ABA to the NBA. And we're talking him going from 16.8 points per game to 7.1. Mm-hmm. Like, that that hurts. Uh, some and players are able to, to bridge that gap and some players just weren't. Yeah. I, I just feel like we have better players than Matt Calvin still. Like, you're the, the fourth best player around really, really good talent. Um, and, and the awards and everything, just from that time period, they're not great. I kind of think of him as a little bit... I think of him as what would happen if you put Patrick Beverly in that time period. Because uh, that's basically what Slater Martin is. He is a, a pesky defensive pest of a point guard. He's not really scoring. He's not really, uh, you know, dynamically leading the offense. He, he's a pest on defense. And yeah, you put Patrick Beverly okay. in an eight-team league where everyone's focused on the bigs, he'll, he'll probably get some all-star appearances. <laughs> this is reverting back to the era argument. So that being said, so we have Luca, Derrick Rose, Gus Williams, Mark Price, Jojo White in that 30th spot. Are you, do you want to go Jimmy Jones? I mean, I'm, I'm arguing for Jones harder than I argued for Jojo White. So I was watching a bunch of Jimmy Jones highlights, and I, I'm in love. You're, I'll, I'll have to check it out. He's just fast. He's acrobatic with the ball. People called him the Jason Kidd, but better offensively. But I feel like it might be more of like John Wall with a jump, or not, yeah, John Wall with a jump shot. Just got the speed, got the explosive. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up right now. Hey, John. This is important. It's important research. At the uh, the ABA basketball. <laughs> One of the greatest things ever to happen. Do you know the story behind the ABA basketball? At some point, yes, I did, but I can't recall right now. George Mikan's blind. Oh, <laughs> that's true. He wore glasses. That's funny. They, they asked yeah. George Mikan to be the commissioner of the league, and he's like, yeah. And they were discussing, hey, what can they do to um, to make it different or fun from the NBA? And he's like, well, I can't see the damn ball when I watch on TV because it blends <laughs> in with the hardwood floor. So let's make it rainbow striped. 
or the USA stripe. Let's you know. It's funny, and it's awesome. I don't think it's really. I think the orange basketball is too much of a, a great thing for, for what we have now. But man, it's some cool shit, man. Every once in a while, I just look for like I'll go on eBay and be like ABA basketball, and I'm just like I want to own one. But also, Mike and created the three-point line mm-hmm. that's true mike doesn't get enough credit for his innovations to the game yeah, i mean he, he forces basically forces basketball to grow up into a real sport that has rules yeah and existed in a, on a national uh, on a national level and then basically made the modern game as it is today okay so 30 jimmy jones at this point i still have slater martin just because I, I just i feel like he's so important to to a, one of the dynasties um Not- no, but if you want to go Mac Calvin. Oh no, no, no. I still have a few more. Okay. So no okay, so so what do you what do you have? I got John Wall, Rajon Rondo, Mac Calvin. John Wall. Yeah. You know why? He's the best player on a pretty good team. Did you do the John Wall. John Wall. <laughs> no, thank John you, man. Wall. Sorry, I graduated high school in twenty ten. That that was the jam. Oh yeah. Had to have been. You have John Wall at at this point? I feel like John Wall kinda gets a bit of a bad rap, but you know, he, from 2011 to 2021, he averages 19.1 points per game and 9.1 assists per game. Yeah, he's a good, and it's just Washington prime, 2014 to 2019. He is, uh, he's 20-10. Efficiency is meh. Um, he, uh, he is certain, he's just, he's one of the best players in the league. And the, and the Wizards are, I, I don't really blame him, like, oh, he, you know, the Wizards are, or whatever, but a, a real team could have built around John Wall a lot better. That the Wizards are like Otto Porter and Martian Gortat. We're all in. Give them contracts. We're, we're, we're building around it. I don't need cap space. I don't need picks. Let's do this. And he almost made the conference finals as the lead guy. 2015, they got the Hawks on the rope. They're up 2-1. Uh, and, and I want to say he breaks his hand. Is that what it was? Yeah. And he's he's trying to get back in there. Um, but, you know, he, he just couldn't play afterwards. Uh, 2017, it, he's just incredibly his consistent scorer in the playoffs. He destroys the Hawks in the in the in the 2017 first round he's 29 points 10 10 assists and four boards on 52 47 84 splits i think he's probably the last guy from the point guards that if you replayed his career a dozen times he could have been the number one on title team maybe a number two on a title team um but i think i think outside of that we're starting to look at a lot of guys that are like number threes number fours um Okay. Know, cute, cute story. All stars, but I, I just think he individually has that high peak. Uh, and, and maybe I'm wrong. The Matrix does have him down quite a ways. Uh, he's 164 in the Matrix, and that is behind like Matt Calvin. That's behind Rajon Rondo. Um, so Rajon or Rajon? You want a Rajon? I just say Rajon. I don't know. <laughs> I'll leave it a bit. I'll leave it be. I, I grew up on Bill Simmons. And I would hope that he knows how to pl- how to pronounce Rajan Rondo's name. That's true. Yeah, he does say Rajan, doesn't he? Well, yeah, but the man also mispronounces like ninety percent of the names in the NBA. So That's true. I don't know what to believe. He really is horrible at the pronunciation. He's like the genius basketball mind, like CEO, millionaire, important person cannot pronounce basketball players' names. Oh, even yeah. if someone says it, like if someone says it back to him. Like if you like if I had like a tough name and you said it to me, I could probably give it back. He like has lost the build house and cousin Sal are just like trying to like spell it out for him. He's like, I can't. <laughs> there was there was one episode of him and Zach Lowe where Zach Lowe was like, Bogdanovich is not hard to say. You just have to get the itch. Yeah. And like like <laughs> it was like a five minute segment of him like try, trying to get 
get Bill to pronounce things right. I think he finally <laughs> just gave up. Um, but I, I could be talking to Matt Calvin up here. I, I do think it, like I was kind of splitting hairs between him and Jimmy Jones. And then in the hair splitting, I I went Jones and I shoved in Wall and Rondo in there. Um, but I, I'll, I can take Matt Calvin. Do you want to tell the people a bit about Matt Calvin? So Calvin is, isn't another ABA. ABA star. He's a five-time All-Star. He's a four-time ABA player. He's on the ABA All-Time team, which is a pretty cool team. Um, from nineteen thirty guys on that team, though. Yeah, but it's a cool, it's a cool accomplishment. It's just a fun thing. It's like a. It's just like thirty guys. I don't think you can call it a team. It's, it's like, like a, half it's of like the ABA league. history. <laughs> yeah. Like you made two All-Star teams. You're on the team. But he's better than that. He's better than just that. He's he's twenty points. He's six assists and three boards. Um, he plays for some really interesting teams. The ABA has just. The names are great. He plays for the the uh, the Los Angeles Stars, and I think this is just the Florida Floridians, which is just fucking awesome. It's just the think, Floridians. It's just the there, Floridians, straight up. There's no city attached. You know, it's just it's 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 the name in itself. There was a Cougars, wasn't there? Yeah, he Not, plays for them too. They have a, this the amazing Cougars. this amazing like green line and white logo. That's just incredible. He's like holding, it's like a sneaky cougar holding a basketball. He kind of bounces around onto that, onto the, um, the the Nuggets, and then he ends up on the Squires. But those are all really good teams, and he's a he's a big part of that. He makes it to the finals in 1970 for the Stars. Could you imagine Young Gravy if we had a team still called the Cougars? That's true. That'd be that'd be the, that'd be the place for him. Yeah. You know, it's interesting idol. by the similarity score. Matt Calvin is, you know, the similarity score in basketball reference. It is garbage. Yes, I know it. <laughs> oh, it's garbage, but it, it is comparing. It's comparing win shares and then we, we do that. Um, but it's Mark Price yeah. is mostly where Mark Price. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's and actually uh, in in the Matrix, which looks at win shares, Matt Calvin is 118. Mark Price is 130. Looks at a lot of other things as well, but the two are very, very similar. So we uh, in the Calvin matrix. at thirty-one. I'm fine with Calvin at thirty-one. Okay. Is it now? Now are we comfortable with some John Wall? I like John Wall here. Um, okay. You know, I would like to at least get him and possibly my next guy in, and then we can maybe talk about Slater Martin again. Okay. Instead of John Wall, do you? What do you think about Darren Williams? Just say yes or no. It's, no. We don't have to discuss. All right. Fine. Moving on. No. Darren Williams, I was really surprised at how bad he looked. Like, my mental picture of Darren Williams, so much higher. Like, if you asked me Darren Williams versus Chris Paul, I, I would be like, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was pretty close. No, no, it just wasn't. Like, memory deceives me. That was a real argument for a long time, though. But to be fair, Williams from age 22 to, geez, he falls off a cliff. Uh, yeah, dude, it's... 22 to 30. He's he's still he is uh 18 points and nine assists. He's like 22nd all time in assists. You know, one of the things that like I'm learning more and more as a fan is like we overrate players longer or we keep players rated higher longer than they should be. Mm. Like, you know, you watch Sports Illustrated or ESPN's top 100 lists and it was like 2016 Kobe, still like number 13 or something. Like, yeah, maybe he just figures it out. I feel like that's what we did with Darren Williams. We're like, yeah, if he's ever healthy, like him and yeah. Chris Paul are right here. I feel like we said that for like four or five years. And then we're just like, oh, yeah, he's just not. Um, he, he puts together a nice, from 2008 to 2013, he is 19 points in 10 assists, which is basically where we're at with John Wall. Um, okay, we can leave it be. So 
if we go John Wall at, at 31, or sorry, Matt Calvin 31, John Wall 32, how would you feel about Rajon Rondo? I hate Rajon Rondo. <laughs> how far down did you have him in your list? Um, 37. 37, okay. I, I think had... Rajon Rondo is one of the most overrated players of all time, and I, I strongly believe that. Yeah. He's a fun he player, good. and people tend to... He was good, but like 37th good. He leads the league in assists per game three times. Okay, um, and those, those teams were good on offense? Yes, and I, I should no, say... No, probably... they were not. <laughs> they were fucking terrible on offense. Making the most assist with a bad shooting team is even more impressive. He had to do he more. Can't, he can't score. He doesn't he doesn't score, and he doesn't go to get to the line, and even when he does, he doesn't hit his free throws. He's, uh, 2012, 2012 Celtics... They're the 27th best offense in the league. He leads the league in assists. And the next year, the 24th best offense. And then in Sacramento, he leads the league in assists. Um, and they're the 20, the fifth in average offense. And a team that should have been better because it had Rudy Gay and the Marcus Cousins on it. They have any defensive players. It was just all offensive players. Um, I, I just don't, I don't think, I don't care. He's not that good on offense. You know, as a Lakers fan, I'm not going to fight too hard for him. <laughs> Let's go. But I do want to say, I, I want to put up at least two two kind of arguments from the 2009 in playoffs because yeah yeah that's a good one we do like to think about him um as like kind of the fourth guy in the same way i've been picking on slater martin you know behind garnett and allen and pierce you know poops his pants pierce but in 2009 they don't have the magic or they don't have garnett against the magic and rondo averages 14 points 10 assists eight rebounds uh, a truly just horrific 37.5% field goal percentage, but, you know, still big impacts, uh, you know, near triple-double. And then game seven of the Eastern semis, uh, they're against Chicago, and Rondo doesn't have a great game. We're talking two for eight, we're talking 11 assists, three steals, two blocks, you know, some pretty nice defensive metrics. But Derek Rose is negative 12 and is on off, and Rose just has a terrible game. Uh, and I think, I, you know, I think a large part of that is Rondo's defense. Rondo's a fantastic defensive player. I think him being really good on defense and then having the assist numbers, people just... I had made a video about Rondo a while ago and in the comments people said that he was legitimately the best point guard in the league for a few years, which is bullshit. as preposterous. I don't, I don't even think he was better than Darren Williams at the time. He's not better than Chris Paul at any point. I don't know what the hard-on for Rajon Rondo is. It's people love winning. I like winning. Of all the people we've mentioned, all of them, including guys that have done it, because we were talking about Slater Martin, could have been the fourth best guy in a title team. They see the 2008 ring, and they're like, oh, Rondo was as good as he was in 2012 on that team, but he really wasn't. He's impactful, but he's so clearly number four. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also like the young guy to get excited about with a team, a bunch of old guys, and kind of the homegrown guy mm -hmm. for Celtics fans. Um, you know, and he comes in without like a sense of losing the ups and downs that Pierce had for going through kind of a rock bottom time and then popping back up. There is a lot of of love for Rondo that doesn't have to do with his play. John Wall thirty two. John Wall thirty two. I'm I'm gonna start the free fall watch on Rondo. Okay. I'm not ready to accept Slater Martin. Okay. As okay. as better than Rondo. Oh, so. Oh my fucking god. Okay. No, go ahead. <laughs> So, um, okay, what, what are some other names we could put here? You said Derek Williams. 
Can I also mention that Rondo is like for the for like a good half of his career is just a negative asset. It's just a just a toxic player that that barely plays. He destroyed. He killed an entire Mavs season in like twenty games. He he derailed an entire franchise for a good two months. I'm sorry, but half of these guys are negative assets for half their career <laughs> because they didn't play it. I mean, what what are we gonna call John Wall a positive asset the last two years? But not I mean, part of that's he's part a of that's negative Houston's asset. Just complete incompetence, but. Okay. All right. You know. One sec. Okay. So my next guy would be Darren Williams. All right. So I, I've got five guys, four guys between Rondo and Williams, uh, and they are Baron Davis, Isaiah Thomas, Gilbert Arenas, and Kyle Lowry. How do we feel about any of those names? Were there any that you were were debating between? I, a lot of those guys are quite a bit lower. Really? I mean, it's just that's tough. I like Baron Davis. I just I I really like I feel like Darren Williams was good enough to be the best player on teams went pretty deep into the playoffs and from in, in the playoffs from 08 to 2013 plays in 34 playoff games he's 41 minutes a game he's 22 points and 10 assists with a steal and two and a half rebounds on great efficiency and I mean the Jazz built around him and it worked they were good they were a really good team Brooklyn traded for him and that didn't really work but that's a Brooklyn thing but he still was good yeah and I do remember the 08 jazz playing my lakers and you know it, it was a good series darren williams 22 points per game 11.5 assists per game uh, like williams is solid my knock with him is that he never gets into the mvp discussion uh and he declines at age 27 and is only a three-time all-star like yeah, his he neither, neither hits peaks nor has longevity well i mean he gets up to two-time two-time second team all nba and that's basically that's... just he's basically just behind kobe and chris paul and no one's touching those guys. All right, that, that's fair. That's okay. fair. All right, are you in? Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Like right. we said at the beginning, this this is just such a, a shit show, to, to put it mildly. You could build, like, computer programs to do this, but I can't imagine. I want to talk to the other two guys that sat down for, like, over 100 hours together and put this shit in, in order. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a reason why ESPN does their rankings of, hey, Everyone just one through ten rate players. We're gonna calculate out where they're rated. It's it's kind of a mess. Um, Slam magazine. Like a, you have to get like a system. Slam magazine did a top five hundred, mm-hmm. um, and I forget which Laker they left off. If it was Norm Nixon or if it was um, God, it's there's two Lakers that I always get mixed up in history. One was on the seventy two team. The other was on the eighties team. Help me out here. Sorry, what was the question? Spaced out There's, for a second. Which Laker can I not think of? Okay. Um, <laughs> is it... Uh, is it? Um, it's the non-star guard on either the 80s team or the um, 72 team that isn't Norm Nixon. Okay. <laughs> That's... Uh, if, uh, I'll find him. I know who you're talking about. I just can't find him. Yeah, good, Rich. That's it. Oh, they love good. He's a star. I don't know why. Well, he's not Jerry West, and he's not Magic Johnson. He's the other guard. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Those two players, I get them mixed up all of the time, and I will say the wrong one at least, you know, nine out of ten times. I, kn- I know who they are. I just I mix it up. Um, and now I, I've completely lost my point of where I was going with, with them. Um, they were left off the top 500, and you were going to tell me oh. about Yeah, so Slam, Slam does this whole whole giant top 500 and leaves one of those two guys entirely off of it and they're starting to get down to just like the most minuscule role players um yeah it's it's real tough so i'm I'm glad we're doing this exercise but i think anybody listening should know this is an exercise 
and like have fun with it do it with your friends yeah. um, what makes it possible is the, is the matrix because if, if we are just trying to remember trying to comb through the fact that you have all the players in a database makes it i think makes it doable yeah all right okay. so locked in darren williams how do you feel about baron davis that's a lot higher than i had Aaron Davis, but it's not that it's not that I didn't like Davis, it's that I was just unsure of what I was looking at. He has some, for the most part, it's just such an up and down career. He has his moments where he's a good player on good teams. He has some nice playoff moments. What's your argument? 2007. That, that upset. I think if we're doing this list, a little of it has to be NBA history impact. Mm-hmm. And that, that impact upsetting Dallas and the way they upset Dallas. Because they upset Dallas in the most golden state wave possible they were switching everything this i mean draymond green is cool and all this team invented small ball and switchability you know playing al harrington at the five richard jefferson and uh, stephen jackson at the three and the four i'll let you choose who who plays where and, and like baron davis would switch and be guarding dirk Nowitzki in the post like it, it just was such a brilliant scheme and series and it was only possible because of williams sorry because of baron davis yeah he he destroys the maps he he leads that entire series in scoring he leads that entire series in assists uh he gets two steals as well he leads he's second on in the warriors at rebounding he has other some other nice moments too like uh, in charlotte 2002 he drops 25 9 and 9 on Orlando and advances to the second round. He's a two-time All-Star. He's a two-time Steel Champ. He makes the All-NBA team in that in in 04. He just he jumps around. He starts with the Hornets in, in 2000. Gets traded to Golden State and then his uh, his knees explode. And he has my he also has my favorite. He's a part of my favorite bad trade of all time, Ooh. which is the Clippers salary dumping him. Yeah. Onto the Cavs. Um, and in turn, giving the Cavs a first-round pick, which turns into number one, and they get Kyrie. It's like two idiotic franchises. Somehow, and somehow the Clippers are just, they, they fuck it up more. The Cavs are just begging to do something stupid and taking Baron Davis, and the Cavs, or the Clippers somehow did the stupider thing. Yeah, I, I will still never understand that trade. I I want to say that it was a necessary move to make the Chris Paul thing happen. So it, it's not quite as bad if you look at it as it freed up salary or it, it some way made Chris Paul happen from my memory, but it it still just doesn't feel right. Like you think it's, it's an expiring contract, wasn't it? I, I don't I don't know the details on that, but they gave up a first round pick as an unprotected first. You had to that's the issue. Is it maybe like the move in itself you get Chris Paul, but like, dude, you gave up. You were a terrible team and you just gave your first round pick this year to get worse. Like because Baron Davis is playing. I just I understand. Um, Baron Davis would jump up a lot, but I'm comfortable with that. I would also like to point out, and this is kind of a deep cut, but in 2001, the Hornets pushed the Bucks to Game 7. And I think if anybody's asking or saying, who the fuck cares about the Hornets and the Bucks in 2001? That was Ray Allen's, like, one of his crowning achievements. Uh, Ray Allen gets the Bucks to the conference finals. And I forget if it's 6 or 7 that they push the Philadelphia. But but they got pushed to Game Seven in the first round by the uh, by the Hornets, and it's it's Jamal Mashburn's series. Um, but Davis has some really awesome. He he has like a really awesome closeout game. It's twenty nine points, six rebounds on sixty two percent shooting, six assists, two boards. Yeah, plus two two steals. Yeah, and then in two thousand and four, um, they're playing the Miami Heat, and 
Uh, it goes to Game 7, but he had hurt his tailbone in Game 6, and Baron Davis barely plays. And, and so there's like these two instances where we saw him be, you know, one where he's really good and they just take an L, and another one where he couldn't play um, and, and they take an L. And so like the first round exits are a little bit overblown because um, he, he's still good. So. I also like to mention that um, Davis in the second round after the Mavs series plays really well again. They do lose. But at that point, they're just outmatched. They lose against Utah. Uh, but he, again, is like 20-something points, seven assists and all that. All right. Are, I think are we talked good to lock him in? Davis, yeah. I mean, I had to talk. I had to talk, really talk it through because it's a big change in what I had. Okay. Well, you know, we're making big changes with Slater Martin. You're making big changes with Rondo. Does it feel okay to have Isaiah Thomas over Rondo? I mean, yes. I guess. Yes, yes. I, I guess from what you talked about. Yeah, I guess I, I guess that, that makes sense. Can we mention, can we mention really quickly another our last like aba guy larry jones you're gonna call him the last aba guy what about louie ah shit the second to last one but but jones you could argue he should we should have mentioned him already because he has that he's the first year of the aba he's fourth in mvp voting then he's third um he it's very interesting because he actually starts in the the nba for the 65 sixers and he's pretty terrible and he goes mm-hmm. to the ebl for two years and he comes back to the aba and kind of dominates and as soon as the aba starts kind of kind of starts to get good he just falls off a cliff but age 31 for the 74 sixers they bring him back because they were the 73 sixers are, are, are miserable um and he kind of helps them get back on track he's much better than he was it, 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 it he's much better than he was in the 65 season when he first got there which which leads you to believe that he would have been good in the nba as well because he does get to the nba and he plays pretty okay yeah i mean 10 points three rebounds pretty okay he, he he did do it. He was he was already thirty one, yeah. And he had already had a pretty down year in the ABA prior. Um, but in nineteen sixty nine, he is twenty eight points and and three point four assists and six boards. He's it's a very strange stat line for a point guard. He's kind of off it on point guard, shooting guard, not yeah, loving it. That's it's just the hard thing with the ABA NBA, and like we saw him in the NBA in sixty five. And he's 5.7 points per game. Mm. And it's it's just a kid. so... A 23-year-old kid? This isn't like the kids are coming into the league. He was 22. He was, I guess he's 20. My, my argument is he's 22. And uh, that Sixers team was really good. It's a good Sixers yeah. team. Not a, lot of, not a lot of space for him. You see players grow like this, even in the NBA. I mean, we can look at, look at Kobe Bryant. First couple mm-hmm. of years, not good. By year four or five, he's an all-star. I think it's just the era that really helps me, though, is that it's like it's this he's like early 60s. I mean, basketball as a concept is still kind of forming. I mean, but he was born uh, in basketball, but he wasn't a thing. He was born in a that's a thing, but he was born in um, 1942. It's not like he grew up watching basketball his life. It was a new thing. He really, you know, maybe it just happens later in life. I do have some cool facts for him. Uh, he scored 30 points in 23 straight games during 69. And he is the first ABA player to score 50 points in a game. Also, first ABA player to score 5,000 points in the league. Oh, come on. We should have had him in here. You want to do it now? Yeah, all right. Let's let's do it. I, I tell you, I went back and forth on so many of these guys' rankings that, I mean, we, we could walk away with an entirely different list than what I have, and I yeah. this is just subjective, but it's fun. It is fun. All right, we're now in the Slater-Barton area. How do you feel? All right. All right, let's just get him off your board. You can start actually having conversations. Yeah. I mean, do you want to know where he comes in in the Matrix? Well, given that he has like, given that he is an 11 PER and 47 win share is probably not too high. We're like 300. What if I, what if I tell you he has the 67th highest award rankings? All right, go ahead. I'm interested. 272. 
Okay. I think looking at it, yeah, yeah, you can trash on the All-Stars, whatever, but he does he does have the five times second team on BAs. And at the time it was just uh wasn't it just um the ten best players or for only a few of those, but I forget when they made that cutoff. Let me check that because that might have been one of my other arguments against him, is that he doesn't get any until they move it to being the the positional. Right, he gets his first one. Yeah, he doesn't get a single All-NBA until they move it to being positional. You, you still want him this high? Yeah. All right. He won, five, right. he won five championships. I think that's really important to be a, a, a huge part of that at this point. Um, I mean, at this point, we're talking about guys that are not going to be top 10 players in the league. Or our one fluke really is going to be Isaiah Thomas, and that's because it was like, what, it was really was just one season. Yeah. I mean, All we're right. talking about guys that are maybe the best player on a 38-win team who also don't really have a lot of portable skills where, you know, you could slate them into other teams. Ah, slate. Slater Martin. All right. Slater Martin into spot 36, is that correct? Yes. Okay, so who do you, who do we have next? Is this Isaiah Thomas's spot? I I mean, we've, we've got Isaiah Thomas, we got Rondo. Um, we're bumping into my Gilbert Arenas rankings. Do you, do you like Isaiah Thomas there? I felt like he had uh, a... A higher peak than Gilbert Arenas, just as Gilbert a it, as a scorer. I forgot about Gilbert Arenas. One second, man. I feel like I I feel like I definitely would have had Gilbert Arenas a lot higher than, than this. I did not have him on my board. I forgot about Agent Zero. How you could know, the I? Thing, the thing about Agent Zero is he kind of has that similar thing of when you look back at him, it wasn't either that long or that great. Okay, but he's like 30 points per game. He... Yeah, yeah. And he plays in a slow error, so if we were going to adjust for pace, uh, his 25, 29, 28 points per game seasons are probably higher. Sure. 20, 27, he's 28. In those three years, he's 28 points and six assists and four boards. Um, starts out in Golden State, and then they ship him off. Or doesn't he? No, he doesn't. He just leave, right? I think he just leaves. Yeah. He just leaves. Yeah. Because he was a moron. He got drafted really late, so his rookie contract ended sooner. Yeah, I think we should. I I really feel like I mean this is a two time third team on BA and then one time second team on BA. I think he should be higher. I think we should. I think he should be like. I think he should be like right above John Wall. What do you think? Am I no. insane? No. Okay. Okay. He's so I, good. No. <laughs> Wall was better. Wall was. Better. You think so? Wall didn't score as well, but Wall was both a better passer and defender. Okay. And these Gilbert Arenas teams were not going anywhere. It's a lot of lot of points on bad teams. They make the playoffs. It's not points on like twenty five teams. I mean, this is the Wizards we're talking about. I just want to throw that out there. This is. These are Wizards teams that he makes the playoffs for the Wizards. Yes. In two out of his three good years, they make the playoffs. And in 06, he averages 34 points per game, playing 47.3 minutes per game in the playoffs. Five rebounds, five assists, two steals. Like, it's a really good year. But, I mean, really, he has one really good playoff run. And if I'm ranking the good playoff runs and his impact... I got to go with the Isaiah Thomas this year. Like that, that was just magical. Yeah, it's magical, but you get three of these seasons. And, and for Gilbert, I mean, that 2005, they win a playoff series. That was the first playoff series the Wizards won since what year? What year, Nate? 
They won in 2005. When was the last time the Wizards won a playoff series? Oh, gosh, you're, gonna, you're really going to ask me this? Go ahead. Just tell me. Take a swing at it. You're going to look it up. 97. I looked it up. 97. Um, no, 82. They, they lose in the first round in 97. And they lose in the first round in 88, 87, 86, 85, and 84. The last time the the, uh-huh. the, the a Washington team, they were the Bullets at the time, won a playoff series. It was 1982. It was Gilbert Arenas that broke them. So you really like Gilbert Arenas over John Wall? No, I think you, you could go like... Over Darren Williams. Over... Over Baron Davis. Yeah, I would say I would say uh, right above Darren Williams is fine. All right, all right. I I'm gonna make the adjustments. Okay. We will put him up there to 33 and drop everyone else down. Uh, but I I don't feel like it's that much of a difference between him and Isaiah Thomas. Why do you have such a big gap? Well, there's not, not really. I think well, I think the the gap comes from Isaiah Thomas. I'm looking at this Isaiah Thomas. One sec. <laughs> Um, you're looking at the other Isaiah Thomas like man this guy's really good at basketball <laughs> we should have this guy higher um, <laughs> for Thomas I mean it, it comes down to comes down to, God, they, they play the exact same amount of game um, yeah the two of them both just have these like massive tail offs yeah like it's, it, Thomas two all-star seasons and then was next five years he barely plays a hundred games Gilbert has his three all-star seasons uh, and then the next yeah five years plays like a hundred games. It's just such a such a nosedive at age twenty six and at age twenty eight. Like guys that got injured and cut down in their primes way too early. I'd say it's just the difference between a two time All Star and a one time All NBA player and a three time All Star and a three time All NBA player. Gilbert just has the little bit of consistency as one of the best players in the league. Although I would love if Isaiah Thomas was our next guy. I think that's the right call. Thirty eight. Yeah. All right. We can put him in at 38. Who is next on your board? Oh, Larry. Fair enough. I think at this point, you know, we're going to, you're going to get on him and we're going to get on him for, at his peak, he is a top 20-ish player. He gets one third-team All-NBA nod. He's never in the MVP conversation at any point. Um, if he's your best player, you're totally screwed. If he's your third best player, you can probably win a championship, but that's really where we're at at this point. Um, Lowry has played in a thousand games, like 150 guys that have ever done that. He's 14 points, six assists, and four rebounds. Since 2007, he's 36 right now. Um, having a, having an okay season. Not great. You can kind of see the end for the Kyle Lowry career, but it's been a good run. He has, I mean, he makes six all-star teams in a row in 2015 to 2020 and wins a title. My, my biggest issue and why he has fallen, even though he has more all-star appearances than basically all these guys. Um, Nate, tell me your favorite Kyle Lowry playoff series. Cannot tell you. Give me, you got a favorite, uh, <laughs> but your favorite uh, playoff run from Lowry. You know, it's probably the time when LeBron swept them by just hitting <laughs> that buzzer beater in game three in their face, the little runner. I mean, he's good. He's good in the twin in the 2019 playoffs. In the finals, he's 16 points and four boards and seven assists. Round before that, he's awesome in the conference finals versus Milwaukee. 19 points, five boards, five assists on amazing efficiency. But he's terrible in the semis versus the Sixers. 13, five, and six on 39% shooting. That's just the, that's the life of a of the third option. And it's he's kind of a predictable third option. Like he doesn't have any special pizzazz or flair to his game. That's one of the things that makes him lovable is that he's just a hard worker. But from the time where Lowry really gets good, he plays in a number of game sevens and doesn't play well. If we're looking 2019, he has a game seven in the first round, or sorry, second round against uh, Philly, where he puts up 10 points, six rebounds, six assists, four for 13 shooting. Like his team wins it, but it's not because of him. Um, In 2016, 
once again, a, a five for 14 shooting attempt. They're, they're winning it not because of him, although he is the steady stabilization of the ship um, that allows Toronto to go through the massive change of losing to Mar and bringing in Kawhi. Yeah, he changes I, his, I think, doesn't, he doesn't shoot as much and gets more assists. I, I think he's semi-comparable to just like a poor man's version of Chauncey Billups. Just like a consistently good player, uh, not quite as great. You might be able to build a team around him in a special way, but I think 39 is a, a really good spot for Lowry. I think so too. And you could argue maybe a little bit higher, but I mean, at this point, you could argue anyone anywhere because it's all just such a, such a mush. But Lowry will do the, the winning plays. He'll play the winning style. Yeah. You, can, you want 20 points, it's there. You need more of a passing game, it's there. Good defense is always there. The hustle is always there. And I'm happy with the position. All right. Who's next for you? All right, this is where I had Rondo. Better, so, you feel better about it? Locking in. Yeah, I feel, I feel fine about Rondo right here. Um, yeah, this is a good spot for Rondo. And then I will say that I had Louis Dampier next. Have we done a Louis Dampier talk? No, but that's where I had him too. Really quickly on Rondo, talk about a good thing. I will be forced to say something positive about Rajon Rondo. In the 2010 Eastern Conference semis versus Cleveland, he's 20 points and 12 assists on great efficiency. He was six boards, and he just head-to-head to head to with LeBron, and they win. He's awesome. He's a really good playoff performer. Yeah. I mean, Rondo, Rondo's a top 40-point guard all time. There you go. I, I'm glad we got there. I, I will just say, though, because we were discussing earlier about a guy who we didn't feel comfortable ranking last time. There are two guys, and I think now is at least the time, to throw their names out there and kind of explain a little bit of our hesitancy. The first name is Trey Young. Do you have Trey Young anywhere on your list? I thought about it. Well, maybe wait to the end of the year to place him somewhere. I think I meant to, but I actually I finished this like one in the morning and I was going to bed. I'd be comfortable with uh, with a Trey Young placement somewhere around here. You know, he was good enough to in the Gilbert Arenas area, in the in the Barron Davis area to get Jared Williams, John Wall to win a playoff series as the best player. And I think if we were going to rank him, he should probably be around there behind those guys because he hasn't played he has, hasn't played as long. And I think he'll climb. Um, but the second name is kind of why I was, why I'm hesitant to ever rank a guy too high before he really shows me that he's done it. Uh, and the second name is Ben Simmons. And Simmons is a three-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA, two-time All-Defensive team player. And he's still only 26 years old. But like his career, I don't know, kind of feels like we we're all smoking meth. Yeah, he was good. I Yeah. I, I was I was sitting here last night and I was like, there are two guys I'm forgetting. And I'm like, what? And he was telling me about two guys that I should add. And I, that those are the two guys. Um, ben Simmons was the other one that I forgot about. I think Ben Simmons should be on this list. I don't think quite yet, but I think we're getting to a spot where he's, uh, I, mean, I, I think in, in, terms of in the top 50, I'm in. You know, I think I, I think I'd, um, I'd be happy with that, but I don't know. Maybe somewhere right outside. Yeah. Looking at it now, probably right outside the top fifty. But he was in. He was an NBA player. And he what he is now is completely different from what he was. The athleticism is there, and he's will not shoot a basketball because he used to be a for a ferocious driver and dunker and attacking those lanes. But I think he's so fucking scared to get fouled and have to sit at the free throw line and shoot those free throws. And you see that I'm gonna go, I'm gonna bash on Rondo real quickly. You said it was someone like Rajon Rondo, or Rondo stopped getting to the line and stopped hitting free throws because um, he sucked. Yeah. And he was really bad. He's a career 61 percent shooter from the line. Rondo is, and even in those awesome yeah. years, like 2013, his best season, he's getting to the line 2.4 times per game. That just takes away from their offensive effectiveness, or not? They don't they, if they don't even want to get there. Um, and you see the same thing from Simmons, really. Yeah, the Lakers really figured out 
how to defend Rondo. And it was basically just put Kobe on him and drop Kobe to the free throw line. And, and that's kind of what teams do against Simmons now. But like that's that's why I'm always hesitant to rank guys higher is because you never know. I mean, you could have the catastrophic Derrick Rose injury. You could have just the complete tonal shift. I think Trey Young will probably get in on this list mm-hmm. today. Okay, you wanna include you wanna include him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, hey, all right, we, we locked in Louis Jamp here. Uh, my next guy up is Bob Davies. Do you do you feel strongly about Bob Davies being better or worse? Or I've been doing that uh the series with the with the Sacramento Kings history every year. I make a video mm-hmm. and I haven't done one in a while because well, no one watches them and they're also a pain in the ass fake, but they're fun to make and I get to learn more about it. Um, Davies is one of the best point guards of the early NBA for, for a long time. He kind of, it's tough because he's winning most of the awards. He's like first team all NBA and even in the BAA or the, wherever the hell they started. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's tough to decide who's responsible because of, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. They're, they're center. Who's, who's the early? It's not Simmons. Uh, it's big. Is it red? Steve Kerr? Not Steve Red Kerr, 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 but no. Uh, um, Arnie Risen. Arnie Risen. But it's, you know, like, it's kind of like, hey, maybe the guy who's grabbing all the rebounds and scoring most of the points is, is the best player on the team. Um, tell me your Bob Davies uh, stuff, though, because you had sent me a really good article you had uh, you had written about early Kings. Really, Bob Davies, one of the things that we have to remember is he doesn't enter the league as a rookie. Like, Bob Davies joins the BAA at age 29, and he is the emotional, the heart and soul leader. Like, kind of think about like Kyle Lowry for for a team. Um, and, and yeah, Arnie Risen, you, you could make the cases might be better, uh, but no one would make the case in that day and age about importance. Uh, and, and for the article that I had written, I went and I read every box score I could that in, from the from the New York Times. I suppose I could get more newspaper subscriptions, but uh, I read every box score I could from the New York Times about him, and they all just point to him being the catalyst for their success. You know, if you look at awards, we are looking at five all-star, or four all-star appearances, but that misses out on a couple of the seasons because they didn't do all-stars yet. Uh, we are looking at five all BAA slash NBA appearances which four of them are first team um i just i just think it's an incredibly high level of play uh he's probably gets finals mvp if they had it in 51 mm-hmm. uh just from name recognition and talent Nate, and- he should be higher this is this this is a this is a for guy because i forgot about him it, this is your responsibility to have all the names yeah. and i just kind of come in i'm like the drunk like the, i'm just the drunk uncle that's like yeah man like let's do this and i i don't have half the people you have Bob Davies wins NB- NBL MVP. This is why when you were telling me about Slater Martin, I was like, what do you mean, Slater Martin? And I was like, sure, let's do it. Bob Davies wins NBL MVP in 1947. Yeah, I think we, we you know, we... Can we... What's up? Can we move him up? Yeah. You want to go... Jeez, I mean, you're looking at... It's a four-time first-team All-NBA, a second-team All-NBA, led the league in assists, wins an NBL championship, an NBA championship, one-time first-team All-NBL, one time all second team on NBL and wins an NBL MVP. I think he should be way up there. I think I really fucked that up. He's also first in assists in 49, uh, then, you know, fourth, sixth, fourth, sixth, fifth. It's like seven years being a top six in assists per, per game while also being a top 15 points per game scorer. It's, and he's, he's really good, but you do also have to really discount that era. I mean, that, that is the weakest era it's that is... Early NBA. Early, early yes. NBA. It's not like yes. Russell's, Russell's Celtics. It is, it is way before that. It, can we flip-flop him and Slater Martin? 
I'm not gonna just just straight up trade him. him. That he should be around. I mean, he should be ahead of Slater Martin by a significant margin. That's what I'm saying. So let's let's put him up there. Let's let's say worse than Gilbert Arenas, Matt, better than Darren Williams. Oh, oh, I was. I mean, I was gonna say like let's just put him up right behind Jimmy Jones. Where's Jimmy Jones? Jimmy Jones is thirty. Thirty. Well, okay, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. Behind him or ahead of him? Behind him. All right, fine. Yeah. Hey, fuck it, let's do it ahead of him. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you win an MVP. Right. Yeah. Next time you, for the you sh- win an MVP. Next time for the shooting guards, I need um, I need to to get back. Just give me the list that you have and just shuffle it because I can't miss this many people. It, it's it's unprofessional. It's unexcusable. Yeah, we're gonna we're really gonna have to review your contract here with the Hoop Stumple podcast and seriously, yeah, you know, see 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 what we can do here. Performance review on my uh on my basketball knowledge because I mean I mean I what I try to do is I just go through as many lists as I can find, kind of put them in that order from other people, mm-hmm. and then just see what I can do. But you know, fucking Sports Illustrated is not gonna have Bob Davies. You said something very smart on TikTok the other day. Which was like, you love it when someone brings up Bill Russell as a top five guy mm. because it will only get hate from the internet. Like no one, no one wants to hear Bill Russell as top five. People want to hear Bill Russell. I mean, I mean, they don't want to hear his name entirely. I think if you left him off of a top 20 list, no one would bat an eye on the internet because people don't care about the old school guys. That's our job. That's our job. I, I've always That's what we're said, here for. my theory isn't like, I'm not like, I just, it's not that I love old basketball or something. So I think, I guess I do, but you're missing out like how are you gonna be like oh i love basketball but also hate half of its history what's the point of any of this you know i just I mean, enjoy the was... sport dude jesus christ like it's a really cool sport with a lot of cool things going on and you know like nothing about it just because you're being weird Kevin durant said it basketball fans hate basketball and i don't get it yeah they can't enjoy their own fucking sport all right so we have Rajon rondo at 41 dampier at 42 let's talk about dampier a little bit because Looking at this, you see a seven-time All-Star, a four-time All-ABA player, an ABA champ, another member of the ABA All-Time team. He's on the Colonels um, for his entire ABA career. He does go to the Spurs for the merger. He plays a little bit. At that point, he's 32. He already he had already been slowing down in the ABA. Um, slows down quite a bit in the NBA. Looking at this, and something I had done is I had him way up there. But then as you look into him more, again, he is that third part. He's behind Issel and he's behind Artis Gilmore. And they do win a title, but you treat it as he's Kyle Lowry of the ABA. He is. He is. I, I actually, you know, one of the other things that's impressive by him is that he leads the ABA in assists, which kind of just means, hey, you were in the ABA at the start of it and you played a lot. Um, But I kind of get like the John Stockton vibes of he set up and ran the offense and he played with some other really great guys. And yes, of course you were going to get the assists. Uh, I, I looked at him in comparison to Jimmy Jones, Larry Jones, Matt Calvin. I, I was really trying to figure out who was should be higher. Um, and I think if we put one of your graphs together, every single one of those guys would have two or three seasons above Dampier and two or three seasons below Dampier. Uh, and Dampier is just solid. Like, no peaks, no valleys. He is just average and fine. Yeah. Although it's interesting is we did do one of those graphs. I sent that to you a few months ago. Like, I think I went, you're talking about it as I went to Chicago. And I was like, oh, when I'll be back, I'll, I'll do that graph. And I think that's exactly what it was. Is Dampier just plays for a lot longer and he's more consistent. But he's at no point is he as good as the other guys we've talked about. I think that's a good spot for him. Yeah. Yeah, that's right where I have him. We put him above Rondo. No. Ah, whatever. All right, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> now it gets really interesting. Now, now we are, my next three, in no particular order, are Fat Lever, 
Kemba Walker, and Stefan Marbury. Star. Who are your next three? James Silas, Kemba Walker, and Fat Leap. Okay. Okay. So we have we have a little bit of um, overlap with both having good old Lafayette Lever. Yeah. Now, really quickly about Trey Young, are we can are we are we is he gonna is he gonna make this list? Or are we are we holding on? Oh, to true. Because if he's making this list, yeah, I think he should probably be next. Yeah, we should probably put Trey Young in here. I mean, the the other list of guys. I mean, what? Am I really going to argue that the long-lasting impact of Kemba Walker is greater than what Trey Young has already accomplished? No, no. It's a good spot for him. Good spot for him. All right. I don't think we need to talk too much about Trey Young, just because if you're listening to this pod, you know who Trey Young is. You might not know who Bob Davies is. He's the point guard of the Hawks. He's having a terrible season, but in previous years, he's been really good. He is high volume. High stats, tons of assists, tons of points, able to orchestrate a really good offense, can be the best player on a, on a playoff team, on a team that wins a playoff series, wins multiple playoff series, almost goes to the finals in a kind of a weird Giannis is hurt, but also Trey Young is hurt series. Um, I, I think he'll have an easy time getting past basically everyone we've talked about except for Luca, just with time. All right. All right. So... Then that brings us down to the 44th selection, which let's, I, I, mean, I know we started this at a weird place or we started with number 25, but I just kind of want to go through our list real quick. No, no, never mind. Let's just let's just do it. Let's just get the rest of the guys on the board and then then we can talk about it. So you had Fat Leap. I, I had him in my next three. Okay. I, it sounded like you also had him in your next three, but maybe not the number one. Who's your number one in your next three? What's interesting is it was uh, it's James Silas. It's it's another ABA guy. So when I said the the last ABA guy for Larry Jones, that was a lie on all fronts. And none of that was true. And then I said the second to last, that was also not true. I mean, do you want to talk about Freddie Lewis? Because I, I, I can talk to you a little bit about Freddie Lewis no, if you want to get a, another another ABA guy. I can't be any more wrong than I was. Um, but we can talk about him because it's. I'm sure that. Do you think he's comparable here? Because Silas, he's a two-time All-Star, two-time All-ABA. He's on the ABA All-Time team. That's important. Um, he is a Spur. He's playing mostly for the Spurs. The ABA he also plays for the Spurs. The NBA. But what was important to me that he is pretty good on some okay Spurs teams in the NBA. He's one of the few guys on this entire list to make that transition and basically keep at the same level of play. He also goes through some pretty pretty bad injuries. Mm-hmm. So his last year in the ABA, 76, he's at 23 points per game. And I should say, context around James Ellis is that he is known as Captain Late, the the late Mr. and the Snake, or the late Mr. C, just C? Like, he's got some cool nicknames. Um, plays from 73 to 82, mostly for the Spurs. Uh, and at his age 27, age 28 seasons... Uh, he plays 22 and 37 games, just injuries, um, a, a bit of a bit of the change going to the NBA, a bit of consolidation uh, where he then is playing behind Louis Dampier, um, that age 28 season. Dampier is the starting point guard for uh, for the Spurs. And, and you do see him really tail off uh, because of that. I'm trying to find some crazy shit right now. I heard you said um, Silas gets up to an all ABA first team in 1976. And that's basically the strongest year of the ABA. And he gets hurt the next year in the NBA. And it's really, it's so crushing. We almost saw like another player make that transition. Um, that's what I, I, yeah. I like that he gets up to a first team all ABA and then he plays good. He plays a good player in the NBA as well. Yeah. I, I just think the consolidation really hurts him because I know he only plays 22 games for the Spurs that year. Mm-hmm. But even in those 22 games, he is he's pretty dramatically pushed back. Um, and that's because the Spurs have Louis Dampier, Matt Calvin, and him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, 
you know, kind of the third guy? That would make sense. Really quickly, there is a guard I'm trying to find. There, There is some point guard that, in the, that played for the ABA that was just such an insane athlete. He has like a nine rebound season. He's like six foot one. I cannot find it. I can't remember who it is, but he does exist. There's like articles written about how he just like was the greatest leaper of the ABA. Could be, I, I'm trying to do the, I don't know where to look. I don't know how to find this person. Oh, give, give me like three minutes. All right, I'll give you three minutes. Be right back one second. Tell me about your, your findings. We already talked about him. It's Larry Jones. Ah, oh, geez. I didn't see that. It's it's not quite nine. How did he fucking at least, miss that? If it is nine, uh, I'm not seeing it. Or if someone else got nine, I'm not seeing it. But I just kind of went through every ABA season. Yeah, eight rebounds. Sorted by rebounds and found the highest highest point guard. Uh, and it's it's like Larry Jones with seven point... Seven point nine. Something. Damn, I don't know how I missed that. Yeah. Hey, we already ranked him. This is going to be a... A disaster to edit and i apologize already you know what i have a lot of free time that's true let's just roll this right into shooting guards nothing can stop us infinite basketball uh, uh, the six hour pod my wife will shoot me <laughs> all right so okay so we're stuck at 44 did you want to go james silas are you interested in somebody else so i had kemba walker here which i think is kind of a similar case um uh, because silas, silas has this like great nickname uh, of Mr. Late, and you don't really see it there for him. Um, also, like in the high scoring times of the ABA, he has one season where he averages over twenty, one season at nineteen. Why is he Mr. Late? Um, what's, what's, what's with Captain Late? What's what's the the lore behind? He's his supposed nickname? to be a great. He's supposed to be a great clutch player, um, known for his late game heroics. Uh, but you know, aside from the name and some articles of people saying it. I really struggled to find examples of it. Of like, when did you close? I guess maybe not in the playoffs. He's like, I got my, my brother got went to Starbucks. He got a free mocha with double raspberry syrup. It tastes fucking awful, but I do like coffee. I mean, he, he's Mr. Late. 79 playoffs. The Spurs go to game seven against the Wizards. And he's 17 points, eight, point, or eight for 19 from the floor. Uh, I mean, Gervin's got 42 in this game. Larry Keon's got another 23. I would love for Kemba to be in this spot. Yeah, I think Kemba, and, and like, not like Kemba has any of these NBA late game heroics. I mean, what he did in college is cool, but I think Kemba just was a really good scorer for a pretty extended time. Uh, just, just lasts longer. Kemba is his clutch. Come on, sure. player. So Kemba, you go Kemba and then Silas. Okay. For for Kemba, you get someone that basically fell off right around the same age that we saw um, Gilbert and Isaiah Thomas fall apart. He gets to age a little bit a little bit later, but by age twenty nine, he makes an All Star team. Then he ends up getting hurt, and then it just it just derails um, defensively. As a, if you're a six foot point guard, you get those lower body injuries, and your defense goes from yeah. bad to unplayable. Um, yeah. But he at his at his peak twenty nineteen. That was just such an insane, that was a really exciting season. Um, that Hornets team ends up just falling short of the playoffs, but Kemba's 25.6 assists and four boards. Um, and he's just electric. I'm pretty sure he has like a 60-point game somewhere in there. Um, yeah, 2019, in a loss to the Sixers, he drops 60 on 21 of 34 shooting. I mean, it is insanity. He was 16 of 14 from three, so he actually was more dominant from 
from two, but god damn, his teammates are bad. As Jeremy Lamb shoots six of 18, Cody Zeller four of eight, Marvin Williams one of three, Nick Batum 0 of four. And that's, those are the starters. That Those are the guys he was playing with. Yeah. On a slight negative for Kemba, do you remember Dwayne Wade versus the Purple Man? Oh yeah, I watched that live with my dad. We were having such a good time. That was insane. Do you remember why it's Dwayne Wade versus the Purple Man? I don't know why, but Wade was destroying them. It's like just uh, some it's, unbelievable shots. It's because it's because Kemba Walker doesn't show up. Mm. Kemba Walker shoots thirty six point six percent, and like the it's a seven game series because of a good Charlotte Hornets team effort and an awesome Dwayne Wade series. But like, there's a reason why it's not wade versus walker it's wade versus the purple man <laughs> yeah it is it is the it's the plight of the six foot point guard that's not named Chris yeah. Paul, basically um the playoffs come around if you can't really distribute and really pass the ball like an isaiah thomas could or score on anybody like the other isaiah thomas could it gets difficult when people when that when that foot of space becomes three inches of space and now your shots are getting blocked sub time i think at this spot 45 44 i'm a fan before we lock in James Silas at 45, can I make a slight stuff on Marbury case? Please, because he kept on, he fell all the way down to 50 for me. He was the last cut. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Okay, so here's here's Marbury, the good and the bad. Has seven seasons where he never averages less than 20, seven straight seasons. Over those seven years, it's 21.7 and 8.3 assists in a slow, a slog of an NBA. Like, you know, we can talk about weak or strong eras, but this is a slow NBA where he's averaging 21. So I don't, you know, some guys, we can look at their averages, it'll be 25. I think what he did in that era is is really impressive. Um, he's top 10 in scoring twice. He makes two all-NBA third teams. Um, you know, not, not the most impressive. Uh, in 2000, he is the last guy voted onto the team behind Eddie Jones. Uh, in 2003, he is above Steve Nash. But it's, it's Dallas, Steve Nash. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about the most positive things we can say is that Marbury is a bucket. Uh, the negative, and this is why you probably kept dropping him, I, he, he is only on bad teams. Like from 97 to 06, I went through, and I actually, I only counted the games that he played in. Uh, thank you, Basketball Reference, for making that number readily available. Wow. Do you want to know how many times his team was above 500 in games he played? In a 10-year span, 97 to 2006. Just once. Twice. Okay. Twice. 03 in Phoenix and 98 in Minnesota. And I'm kind of mad because him in Minnesota, him and Garnett were supposed to be something. And he just says, no, I want I want the limelight. Give me the F out of here. I can't get into it because it's he is the good stance bad team player. Not by, not by accident. He's not like Bradley Beal, but by choice. Any team yeah. that's good enough doesn't have Stephon Marbury on it. He's not going to want to be on it. Yeah. If you get up to 60 wins tr- a year, if you want to be a part of something great, he's not going to want to be a part of that. Um, although it's interesting I mean, that it, he plays the, he is, if you have Stefan Marbury on your team, you're about to get really good. Good things are about he, to he's happen. He's a good enough chip. Yeah. Good things are about to happen. You're about to get Steve Nash. You're about to get Jason Kidd. You're about to um, get Carmelo Anthony. Um, just hang on. Hang on yeah. for a second. Things are going to get better. So two small corrections. Um, there was actually a third season. I didn't. I missed it because he only played 49 games. It was the lockout year. But in '99, they were 25 and 24 with him. But yeah, the the other thing is is those trades. Uh, the 2001 New Jersey Nets went 22 and 45 with him on the court. Now the 03 Nets 
after they trade him for kid, they also got Kerry Kittles back from injury. Richard Jefferson was drafted. So, you know, th- there are some substantive changes in the roster. It's not just a kid for Marbury switch that propels them from being a bottom bottom of the conference team to the finals, but it, it's pretty strong. Uh, and then in 06, he's playing for Phoenix. Or no, sorry. 04, he's playing for Phoenix. Uh, they're not great with him. And then they flip him, bring in Nash, and the, the team gets a lot better. So I, I think he's a brilliant scorer. I don't know what quite the difference is between him and Kemba Walker really is, but but I would say there is something at least in Kemba's favor. I think Kemba, had the team gotten better, he would have been all for it. Anyone could have joined the Hornets, and he'd been, he's been, everyone loves Kemba. He's one of the most beloved players Fair. in the entire NBA. Um, the fact that he's not in the league right now has nothing to do with his personality. It has nothing to do with him being able to get along with other players or the way he plays with other players. That he's just not that good anymore. Where I think Stefan Marbury. No, they waved him. They caught him? Yeah, he's gone. I know this because. Oh, man, what did I miss? That one, of my, one of my league members for my, my friend's fantasy basketball team picked him up. And then when they dropped him, he disappeared from the roster, but mm-hmm. he hasn't been able, he hasn't changed his roster in like three months. And so he just has an empty slot. I It, it happened on January 6th. Uh, and I very intentionally stayed off all social media <laughs> on the 6th. I was like, I, I was like, something bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to, I'm not looking at things. I might've posted some pre-recorded takes, but I was like, I am not, not, not paying attention to anything that's going on. My friend day. claims that his losing is fueling the Kings winning. So that's why he's doing it. He says if he wins good. a game, the Kings will stop being good. Um, he's also tanking for the first pick in the baseball fantasy draft. Which is how we do things. You have the worst pick in basketball. You get baseball and baseball and the football and all that. It's always fun. Um, that's interesting. It's not yeah. Fun. So, all right. Locking in James Salas at 45. We got five slots left to get to our 50, which was the target for this. Mm-hmm. Fat lever time. Fat lever? Tell the people about fat lever. Lever is a point guard, obviously, of the 80s. And mostly for Denver for 80, from 85. His best years were in Denver from 1985-1990. For Denver, those six seasons, 17 points, 7.5 assists, and 7.5 boards. We were talking about finding that point guard at the ABA that averaged all those rebounds we found was Larry Jones already. Fat Lever has a great argument for one of the best rebounding guards ever. He is up there getting 9.3 rebounds a game in 1990, and it's really strange, fast-paced Denver teams, but he plays into that so well. Um, He averages a triple-double in the 1985 second round, 17 points, 11 boards, 10 assists on 42% shooting. That doesn't sound like anything now, but that was a really big deal at the time um, for a point guard to get up to those levels. The downside is it's very short. He's only at an elite level for about four seasons, but I think it's it's good enough to to put him right behind Silas. Teams in an All-NBA team, I believe that is a third-team All-NBA. Now it's a second-team All-NBA in 1987, plus an All-Defensive team in 88. It's a great player. I didn't put in my notes if it was uh, 86 or 85, but the Nuggets rarely made the second round with his tenure. He, he rarely makes the second round. Um, and in one of those, he makes it, okay, it must be 86. Yeah, they make it, and they're up, Two one no no is this the right series which is the right series where are my notes come back here notes come on Nate pull your shit together I I don't just the one where Lever gets hurt eighty six first Houston one of the series Lever gets hurt and they just fall apart I'm trying to figure out which it is though because it doesn't look like it was eighty six let me see Maybe it's eighty eight I really got to write down it looks like it looks like eighty eight yeah eighty eight versus Dallas all right so eighty eight it. He's uh, he's there. They're up 2-1 in the series when Lever gets hurt. And 
Dallas just demolishes them the rest of the way. I mean, game five is a four-point game, but yeah, game four is a 21-point victory. Game six is 13. They rattle off three straight, and it's pretty, It's as soon as Lever gets hurt that this gets close. Before he gets hurt in those three games, he's 21 points, 10 boards, 8 assists with 1.7 steals. He's, he's a very, very good player. I think this is a great spot. You could argue you should be ahead of Silas, but I'm happy with him here. Yeah, all right. How would you feel? There's a pair of guards that are both next for me. Um, I was really struggling to split the two of them, but Terry Porter and Mo Cheeks. I had Terry Porter. That was my next guy up is Terry Porter. Okay. He's a two-time All-Star, plays in a, a ton of games, 1,200 games. I, I'm guessing that's in the top 100 of games played ever. Um, the Basso reference won't tell me that. That's okay. What, what drew me to Porter is, what drew me to Porter was making the finals in 1990. He's 20 points and seven assists. And they make it again in 92, and he's 20 points and seven assists. He's really good for a team that makes the finals. He's the, legitimately the second best player on that team. Um, he puts up an awesome series in 1992 in the second round versus Phoenix, 26 points, eight and a half assists, five and a half boards on, on 44, 41, sorry, 54, 41, 81 splits, and basically repeats those splits again with 26, eight, four again. And they demolish Utah. And he's not as good in the finals for Chicago, but that is Michael Jordan and the Bulls. But he gets up to a point where he is the second best player on some really good teams. And he plays for a long time. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder what was going on with all-star selections for guards in the 90s. There's just some some weird things where it's like, I, I would have almost expected Porter to make a couple extra. Uh, I, I, need to, I need to do a, the deep dive sometime because the things that he does, and he's got six seasons, uh, five, sorry, five seasons as a top 10 assists per game guy. Uh, no, total assists. This He's got five seasons as... Is it, but like passing, he's scoring well. Um, he is 81st, 88th all time in career playoff points, ABA and NBA combined. Assists? No, no points. Assists? Uh, assists combined in playoffs. Uh, he's 41st. What am I looking at? Let me see what you're looking at. He, he's. Oh, he's 88th and 81st. And okay. Yeah. Okay, I think I thought I, I misheard yeah. you. Uh, if we do career combined regular seasons and playoffs, He's 18th in assist. Porter has played in the 32nd most games ever. Yeah, damn. Yeah. I, I think this is the longevity play. Um, I think you could really argue that he never has a year better than any of the years that Trey Young has had, but he's had so many good years that I, I like this. How about Mo Cheeks now at 48? Yeah, I'm in. He was uh, the last three guys I have are Mo Cheeks, Sam Cassell, and then Stefan Marbury. Okay. All right. So Mo Cheeks. 76er part of a brilliant 76ers team and like you know you talk about the point guard being the guy that just is there and consistent you know he's playing with Irving he's playing with with Moses Malone Andrew Tony Bobby Jones um and, and so he's not doing a ton of scoring but he is running the offense really well and he is a point of attack defender and a pretty damn good one too one of the best defensive point guards ever he's playing high minutes for really good teams the scoring is he is very efficient Low scoring, great passer, good defensive player. You couldn't ask for a better point guard with the team with Moses and Bobby Jones and all those guys you just listed. Um, is he like the fourth best player on a title team caliber guy? Maybe third in some years. Yeah, but that's that's pretty much where we're at. All right. So that that's forty eight. Um, you said your last two guys were Marbury at fifty, and you had Rod Strickland, Sam Cassell, and he, Sam Cassell. Yeah. 
Strickland is 51, though. That's a good All right. Um, can I interest you in a little bit of Gene Shu? Gene was a five-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA player, played from 55 to 64. Uh, and he has five seasons with the Pistons uh, where they make playoffs but are like a sub-500 team. Just kind of a weird uh, divisional thing where if you won your division, you got in. Uh, it was just in bad divisions. He only makes one first-team All-NBA yeah, uh, but it, it's pretty stacked competition. It, it's he's playing with Jerry West, Bob Cousy, and Oscar Robertson, and, and pretty much once Oscar enters, there's not. It, it's hard to make make these teams. But two averages is over uh, over a good stretch, basically twenty points, five rebounds, five assists, and he he kind of bridges the gap from George Yardley to Bailey Howell for the Pistons. Mm-hmm. That's a seventh-place MVP finish in 1960. First-team All-NBA, then a second-team All-NBA. I'm interested. I'm interested. So another person I did not I did not have. Um, our shooting guards list, I will come with every name. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be embarrassed like this again. Huh? Does, that, does that mean I, I get to sneak him in there just from embarrassment? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I love these wins. Love these wins. Um, I, and then I had Marbury above Sam Cassell, but I'll, I'll let you pitch Sam Cassell. Everywhere Sam Cassell goes, he wins. Is he the reason they're winning? No. Is he a big part of it? Absolutely. Um, starts his career off with two back-to-back titles. He's their point guard coming off the bench. He plays in all 82 games coming off the bench for the 95, uh, 95 Rockets. Then he gets traded. He ends up going to the Nets by 1998, and he's... 20 points and 8 assists, and they make the playoffs there. Then he goes to Milwaukee, and he is the third piece behind the Ray Allen and Big Dog Bucks teams. Then he goes to Minnesota, and he's the best, basically the best teammate Kevin Garnett ever had, and they make the conference finals there. And then he goes to the Clippers, and they win a playoff series, and that is like a crowning achievement, is he won a playoff series with the Clippers. And he was really good for the Clippers, too. Um, in 2006, he's 17 points and six assists. He's consistent. He plays in 78 games for 34 minutes per game that series. He just, if you have Sam Cassell on your team, you're probably going to be pretty good. Okay. Which is like, I the, like it. Plus, he's like, the, he's, he is like the, the good version of Stephon Marbury. Yeah. I mean, Marbury is, when you said that he was, that Cassell was the best teammate that Garnett had, my immediate reaction was no, it was Stephon Marbury. Um, which may be true, may be true. I don't think so. Uh, I just don't. I don't think because they, they. I know maybe if they develop longer, but we could also say maybe Latrell Sprewell. Yeah. Well, Cassell. The reason that that Timberwolves team gets derailed is Cassell hurts his hip, pretending that he has giant balls while doing a celebration on the. No, seriously, on the court on the in the previous series before they lose to the Lakers, he does the big balls dance after hitting this awesome shot, and he re-aggravates a hip injury. Yeah. Too big of balls. His balls are too big. They couldn't win the title that year. I, I think I love the list. I love what we've built. Yeah, I, I think ending with his balls were too big is just the perfect place to end. <laughs> really quickly, the other the other candidates I had, and I'm sure you have 6,000 other guys, but I had, obviously, Stefan Marbury, then Guy Rogers, Drew Holiday, Rod Strickland, Warren Drogic, Brian Taylor, and Don Buse. So the, the names that we didn't get to discuss from my list were Steve Francis, Terrell Brandon, and Archie Clark. Mm, Steve Francis, that's a good one. Uh, we, I, I guess I kind of half mentioned Norm Nixon and Freddie Lewis, who would be the next two up. Um, yeah, there's, there's still a lot of great names out there. Uh, Norm Van Leer, Calvin Natt, Carl Braun, Mookie Blaylock. Uh, you know, we're, we're not that far down from a Drew Holloway, Mike Conley conversation. I mean, hell, you could, 
you could probably debate Drew Holiday over Sam Cassell right now. You could, Jim. Um, Steve Francis is pretty good. Not that I think we uh we mess that up, but he's like a he's a he's a poor man's Gilbert Arenas, and that 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 tells you something. Just that kind of that career arc. He has those those three years, and then his body just implodes. Um, there's some good names. Mookie Blaylock has some really good seasons. There's there's some good Blaylock years. Listen, we can bump this list out to a hundred, uh, and we we will still be talking about quality players. And I can't wait. I can't wait for it. <laughs>